Hello, subscribers. Hello. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. But you knew that because you're a subscriber and uh, we can't thank you enough. Yes, seriously, thank you. Uh, I feel like, you know, there there aren't enough words in a- any... In fact, we just used the last one. <laughs> Sorry, it was nice knowing you, language. Okay, well, that's the end of this bonus episode. <laughs> you can find us... Uh, and we're going to do a, uh, something different. I guess we always do something different when it's a bonus episode, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Uh, Molly suggested that we talk about our favorite books. Yeah. I think and, we, I think we came up like, with this idea. This sounds terrible. No, you said that. You started second, ge- second guessing yourself <laughs> <laughs> immediately. You said, uh, you're like, let's talk about our favorite books. Wait, that's not funny. No, but let's do it anyway. <laughs> That sounds like me. Yeah. That's ex- that's exactly the way I talk. I mean, you're yeah. as we've as we've uh, established, you're the show's archivist, but uh, or possibly archivist. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I, that's how I remember it going down. Okay. Um, and so okay. we're going to talk about some of our favorite fiction books. I think. Yeah, I think we're going to talk mostly about fiction. Although, as as we'll discuss in a moment, when I was. Uh, you know, writing down some like notes to self on the agenda for this episode. I I confused Nick Hornby and Chuck Klosterman, and and one of the books I was going to refer to is nonfiction. So we may we may hit a little bit of nonfiction. Yeah, and let's. I mean, to be fair, how different are those guys really? Uh, I mean, not different at all. They're both no. they're both kind of intellectual middle aged white guys. I mean. Not that I would know anything about this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, okay. So where where should we begin? I mean, we this is a very broad topic. We have the entire world of English literature. So, I don't mean like British. I mean like English language. So can I can I admit something, Matthew? Sure. So I have this feeling all the time. I think it's a sort of like uh, reader's version of imposter syndrome. Uh huh. Uh, this is so. Uh, anyway, I have this feeling all the time when I'm reading that there's something I'm supposed to be understanding, and I just can't quite grasp it. Now, I feel like I I would I would be right there with you, except I think I pretty much try to avoid the kind of books that make me feel that way, and so and so that's my way of ducking that feeling. Well, like for instance, okay, so I have this this very okay okay. Okay. Let me tell you. Let's, a, let's let me real. tell you a story. Okay. So when I was like seven years old in first grade, my is my, that when you read that Henry Henry Miller book? <laughs> Sexist. Uh, no, um, I had a crush on this boy in my class. His name was Lucas Oswald. Shout out to Lucas. Anyway, um, Lucas, I always ha- have thought of as my first big crush. Well. The summer that I was 22, right after I graduated from college, I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma with my mother. And st- we're still in carrying the, a flame for- In the checkout line yeah. at a Wild Oats market. Uh-huh. And I recognized the cashier and his his name tag said Lucas. And it turned out it was Lucas, who I had not seen since first grade. Awesome. he then switched schools. Anyway- I remember in the checkout line, and I thought he was super cute because he was kind of punked out and he dyed his hair black. And How did you recognize him? I, I don't think I would recognize anyone. He, he had a distinctive face. Okay. And his name tag said Lucas. That's fair. Anyway, um, so 
very during this brief time in the checkout line, we had a conversation <laughs> about, you, about uh, what we were you reading. You had a torrid affair. No, we had a conversation about what we were reading. Sure. And he had been reading Ayn Rand. Oh. Now, I had no idea <laughs> oh, what a charged thing that was. See? So I went home. I procured a copy of The Fountainhead and spent three, like, feverish days reading it cover to cover. And I loved The Fountainhead. I had no idea of, like, the political and social implications of my being like, I love The Fountainhead. Uh-huh. Oh, that is and adorable. Then, and then Lucas and I wound up getting together, and we were together for three years. Oh, wow. And like you just like lived in like a libertarian paradise. <laughs> well, so no, but this is another thing. Like, I I think that I, I just didn't quite get what I was supposed to get from it. I was like, oh, good story, thanks, good job, good well, story. I I mean, I have not read an Ayn Rand book, but uh, everything I know about them uh, suggests to me that they're uh, you know that the politics are abhorrent and they're super fun. Um, I found the Fountainhead super fun. And of course, I didn't, you know, I don't remember feeling like I identified or was really rooting for any of the characters. However, I found it to be a thoroughly satisfying read. And I totally fucking missed the point. Yeah, that's great. I no, I'm sure I've missed the point of of life in general I think this and is most things. Kind I've of read. the story of my life. I feel this way when I watch Girls, the Lena Dunham show. I'm always like, I fucking hate these people. They are not accountable for anything they do. They are just like running around ruining their own lives and other people's lives. And why do people love this show? I feel like I'm missing something. <laughs> but why do you keep watching it? Because I feel because I see people talk all the time about how much they love it, and and you just want to be part of the conversation, or you feel like if you I, give I, it I more of a chance, like, I keep feeling like there is this ineffable something mm. that I'm missing. Um, yeah, but, I, I watched like four episodes, and and then I felt like I got the point. Oh, cool. Okay, <laughs> I mean, got the point in the sense of like I didn't need to watch any more episodes, and then it continued on I, for five more seasons. I think, yeah, I think I've gotten like I keep getting better and better at being willing to to just like pull the cord on something and bail out. God, I think that's what being a grown up means. Yes, it really does. Like, and also like not caring, like you know, uh, whether whether not liking something means that I'm an uncultured bore because of course I am. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so speaking of being an uncultured bore, um, I, I, I wrote, well, what I meant to write down was, what am I supposed to think about, oh, God, that book whose name I've forgotten by Chuck Klosterman. Oh, uh, Killing Yourself to Live? Killing Yourself to Live. Okay, so this guy who was a cook at Delancey, um, he and I had similar taste in a number of books, and he told me to read this book. And I read it, and I was like, this guy, Chuck Klosterman is a whiny, narcissistic idiot. Mm-hmm. Why Why is this man so successful? Um, so I, I thought this was interesting, and Apparently I'm glad, I'm glad we're getting into this. this is the show where Molly just rants about Yeah, maybe, stuff. maybe at some point we'll get to books we like. I mean, I guess you like The Fountainhead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. Everyone, that's the takeaway from today's episode. Molly loves The Fountainhead. Um, is there anything you want to tell us about your, your favorite politician, Rand Paul? <laughs> um, Chuck Klosterman, I really like. Uh, the book you mentioned is by far my least favorite book of his. I I couldn't get into it at all. Um, but I, I read Klosterman's first book, uh, uh, Fargo Rock City when it came out, which is just all about growing up in Fargo and all of the heavy metal bands that he loved. Oh man, um, that which, sounds really good. Which I mean, and he's still he's still a jerk, but but there's you know he's very smart and it comes off charming. Okay. Um, 
and he's he's done a lot of different stuff and I mean, I suspect probably if you really hated that book you read, you're not going to like any of his other books because he does have a very particular style Mm -hmm. and he's in love with the sound of his own voice. You know, I find him like just on the right side of tolerable, but I would have no trouble at all understanding why anybody couldn't take him at all. So Mm. and and he's written two novels, which makes it uh, fair game to discuss him on this episode, I guess. Yeah, sure. Yeah. The book you mentioned is a nonfiction book. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Okay, So hold on. So let me get around to talking about my favorite book, because this this I think this will amply illustrate the way in which I am slow on the uptake. Okay. Okay. Mysteries, The Mysteries of Pittsburgh by Michael Chabon. Which which I have read and did and at, at your recommendation and did enjoy, but didn't like fall in love with it the same way you did. Well, so f- there is just something about this book. It's like, uh, oh God, you're going to hate me right now. But it's like, you know, when you read a poem and it's hard for you to put... <laughs> Already, no. <laughs> you know when you read a poem and it's hard for you to put your finger on like why it is that it moves you or speaks to you. It just like moves you on some like visceral human level is this show over yet let's talk about no we'll get into this finish what you're saying okay like for instance um there's this poet named robert hass and and his poem meditation at lagunitas or his poem letter which is about a beer that he drank (laughs) both of them like move me to tears and have moved me to tears for 23 years since the first time I, I read them. I go back and read them frequently. I, I I struggle to really put into words like what each one is about. I, I have a sense of it. But uh, anyway, I feel this way about the Mysteries of Pittsburgh, which was, it's a pretty great, it's a, there's a pretty great backstory. It was Michael Chabon's master's thesis. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, his advisor was like, this is awesome and showed it to his agent. Um, what he and, was, and then, and then it, you know, it was sold, and so anyway, there's a male protagonist. Uh, it's told from the first person, um, and anyway, it's it's about the summer after he finishes college and his, um, the relationships that are most important to him that summer uh, with, with a couple of men and, and a woman, friendships and romantic relationships. And I read it for the first time when I was 16. Apparently I read a lot of like really uh, like stuff that was formative for me when I was 16. Yeah. Uh, and then I read it again at 23 and again in my early thirties and again last year. And finally, Matthew, finally last year on read number four, I was like, Oh my God, this is a book about, like uh like exploring one's sexuality sure that's what this book is about the uh, the the main character is basically like bisexual or queer yeah um and it is about some of his first sort of i, I don't know this summer of meeting these people and and sort of through them finding out and not finding out who he was yeah i mean that's uh I, I like the I like the one crazy summer or or I mean yeah. it's not, not it was, the same it's thing. It's a one but crazy like, summer kind of book. Like I like a one crazy night kind of book too. Yeah. Um, there's an example that came that's coming to mind that I'm gonna in a minute while you're talking about something I'm gonna look up the the book title of the book that came to mind when I said one crazy night. Because mm-hmm. um, uh, there there are some good books in in that genre. Anyway, but as yes. you can see, I'm real slow on the uptake. Like four reads and finally i was like oh because really it's it's 
I think of it as a little book. It's just, it's like, it a, is a it's, short a, book. it's a little book. It's not, I don't think anybody says that it's his best book or even among his best books, but I love it. That's great. I, I, I find that like interesting that, that like a book can, can resonate with you for some reason that, uh, um, you know, is this is this a book that you often recommend to people? Because I feel like I have certain books that I feel like are kind of just for me, and it's I have a hard time imagining anyone else is going to enjoy them. You know, it's only recently that I've come to realize I don't think I want to be recommending this book to a lot of people because, it, you know, it, it's not a book where anything really big happens. I don't think that it is a great example of what makes Michael Chabon's writing great. I mean, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay is probably his best known book. It won a Pulitzer Prize. Great book. Uh, that, I think, is is a fantastic example of his writing style and, and his, like, just incredible ability to weave a story. But this, yeah, this book just speaks to me. I wouldn't not recommend it to someone, but I, I just, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it to just anybody because I think it might be hard for somebody else to feel the way about it that I do. Um, so my my book in that in that vein, which I am not recommending really because like I said, like it's it's hard for me to oh my imagine. God, this book has the worst title. Matthew. This is not. Is this, this is, this is a different real? one. I'll, I'll, I'll get to that one in a minute. Okay. So, so the um, the book that I, and I just reread this book for like the fifth time, and uh, and I still love it. It is called Getting Oriented: A Novel About Japan by Wally Wood. It what? is a it is a self published book. It is poorly written. Yes. Um, it the plot is like a a recently widowed. Uh, uh, middle-aged guy um, like tries to get his life back on track by leading a tour of Japan where he like lived at, in when he was in grad school. Okay. Um, and uh, the quirky senior citizens that come on this tour with him. Okay. Um, and there, there's just nothing to it. It's like mostly a lot of it is the the framing device is is uh, like excerpts from the text that he reads at at uh, tourist sites. This sounds terrible. It's not a good book, and yet there's, you know, because uh, I... Because you are a quirky middle-aged guy. Because I'm a quirky middle-aged guy and, um, <laughs> you know, am in love with Japan in the same way that this author clearly is. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, oh, yeah, you know, we, he and I, we totally get it. Um, and That's amazing. So you read it because it's like, it's like a friendship? Yeah, I mean, not not with the author or, you know, it's a friendship with the book. Yeah, no, I get it. God, you must be so fucking lonely. <laughs> hey, uh, some of my best friends are books, okay? Um, okay, so no, back me, to... I mean, me too. Me uh, back too. to this one crazy night thing. So the book I was trying okay. to think of, and yes, it's a terrible this is title. the worst title. It's called Au Revoir... Oh, wait, how do you say that? Au Revoir. Au Revoir. Au Revoir, Crazy European Chick. That by by Joe Schreiber, it's a it's a YA book, um, and it's about a kid uh, who uh, who learns that his uh, the quirky um, uh, European exchange student that's staying with them is actually a spy. Yes, um, and it's dumb, but I, I it's like nonstop ridiculous action. It makes no sense. I enjoyed it so much. Is this like a, would you call it a guilty pleasure? Yeah, for sure. Cool, awesome, but. I mean, I, I don't I don't feel guilty about any of these books, but right. I don't think anybody should feel guilty about books ever. Um, OK, OK, wait, I thought of a couple of other ones um, again. Um, a book that. Uh, yeah, a book that that really, really spoke to me at the time that I read it and and I now sort of read it in a very different way. But Fun Home by Alison Bechtel. Sure. 
I haven't read um, it, but I'm familiar with it. Graphic novel uh, or graphic memoir, really, um, upon which a big hit Broadway show was based. Um, right. That's why I know it. It was recommended to me when I was writing A Homemade Life, which is in large part a book about my dad, because Fun Home is really about this author's relationship with her dad. Um, oh, it is so great. And so, oh, it's just so smart. And and so uh, the way it ends, the ending, it just, I, I feel like what's most important to me about the ending of a book is not really what happens, but the feeling it leaves oh, me with. Oh, for sure. And this book leaves me with just the right feeling. Um, in that, a, a book that I would describe the same way that I read, that's a recent book, um, is Version Control by Dexter Palmer. Where do you find these? I've never heard of any of these books. I don't know. Uh, you know, I probably popped up on Amazon or something. Um, and uh, it is a time travel novel and i feel like time travel has has been a popular thing recently maybe starting with the time traveler's wife which i realize is not that recent mm-hmm. um but uh is this book amy Tan? No, no it's amy someone else i think <laughs> seriously <laughs> that is a catchy last name <laughs> that is that would be a, a pretty good name uh the, the version control I mean, dexter palmer is a great author name right it's such a good author name um, it is a time travel book in which Nobody ever, you never like follow a character traveling through time. So, do you think that Dexter Palmer is a real name, or do you think this guy is a fan of Philip K. Dick, and this is like a name that's based on the three stigmata of Palmer Eldritch? I don't. I think I just got outcultured in a <laughs> huge way. Yeah. In this round of baby versus grown up, the baby is winning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. What, what's that book? And then I want to. Then I want to go back oh, to it's, version. It's a book. I had to read it like in college or something. It's a book. It's it's a sci-fi kind of uh, I think dystopian book by Philip K. Dick. That's that sounds right for Philip K. Dick. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, version control. It's like you know he he takes uh, time travel and you know extremely worn uh, trope and does something I think really clever and new with it. And really focuses on like the relationships between the people, and there are a variety of different types of characters in the book, um, and it has some really interesting things to say about race in America, wow. which was not I didn't know at all going in. And again, like like the ending is uh, is terrific and leaves you with this feel like, oh, I see. Um, oh, that's so great. Um, you know, I think maybe this is a really like facile thing to say, but I think. Um, I, I like I like it when a a book moves me in a, a, without seeming to be trying to move me. Yeah. I feel like I'm unusually uh, resistant resistant to, being to emotional manipulation. Not that it doesn't work on me, just like I really resent it. I, I remember you once saying to me in, in some feedback on a draft that I once showed you. You said you are, are allergic to sentimentality, and yeah. and I like that about you. I think that's that's why we, we we did mention on the show once that I hate the book uh, The Fault in Our Stars. I right? was going to mention this today because I consider this kind of a guilty pleasure. I, I like sobbed while reading that book, but it was very overtly trying to make me sob, and that's what you hated about it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we, we I I can't believe we've gotten this far without without me mentioning that that uh, you know that I've written a novel, which every all of our subscribers know because like m- many of you have read it and reviewed it, and uh, I really appreciate that. But that was uh, you know, I, I understand why um, 
so many books that I read like try try and like really like hit these these emotional beats um, mm-hmm. in a way that is that is very obvious because it's the most tempting thing in the world to do mm-hmm. and it works mm-hmm. and and people respond to it and buy books and I was like you know I would love it if my book made people cry but only if it doesn't seem to be trying to do that yes yes God, I mean, yeah that is so smart I, I totally get that it is. It's so smart. It's so smart. Speaking <laughs> score score one for grown up. Speaking of smart, um, I love all the like the Jeeves books by oh. PG Woodhouse. Um, I've only read one of them, and it was great. I think I've only well, I've only read two. Uh, but but you love, I love all, all of them. Of them. <laughs> no, uh, carry on, Jeeves. I have to say, I feel like I learned so much about like the po- the God. I'm being so serious today. I learned so much about like the possibilities of the English language. Yeah, that book like like when Jeeves shimmers into the room. <laughs> God, that's so perfect. <laughs> um, the the Jeeves and Wooster book that I read was called The Catnappers. How was it? It was great. Oh man! I mean, I love the title that. was probably the best part, but it was great. Oh man, Bertie Wooster and Jeeves, more please. Yes. Do you like how that rhymed? Sort of. No, it didn't Je- really Jeeves rhyme. and Pleves, more Pleves, <laughs> more Pleves, more more Peeves from uh, the House Ghost in Harry Potter. Poltergeist. Um. Hey, did you ever have any books that you read as a kid and you were like? oh, I shouldn't let my parents see that I'm reading this book. I didn't know that this book was like as mature as it is. Um, ye- not so much. Um, I did I did have like a romance novel that, uh, you know, I had bookmarked like the juicy parts um, and, and sort of just like stuck it in my, sh- <laughs> yeah. I didn't like try and hide it. Yeah. I figured like it would be better to hide it by just like putting it like kind of in the middle of my bookshelf. Uh-huh. Like, you know, this, there's nothing special about this book. Right, I've got nothing to hide here. <laughs> um, other other than that, I, I think my parents... Um, Gave me books with mature content, relatively young, feeling that I could handle it. Uh-huh. Um, and I think I did. Like, I, I still, to this day, like, have, don't really enjoy, like, books with, with a lot of violence unless it's, like, done in sort of a silly or theatrical right, way. right. Well, I had an experience that I'm sure many young people have had with the Judy Bloom book Forever. Oh, of course. I did, I did not read that as a kid. Cause... I was like working my way down the list of Judy Bloom books, right? Oh. And I remember I still had this pink Schwinn bicycle with a banana seat. I, so I was that, I was young enough to have that bike, okay? <laughs> right. And I remember riding my bike with the book Forever in the basket on oh, the wow. front of my Schwinn. That's such an evocative image. And I remember feeling like oh my god I had no idea that this book had the stuff in it that it does and feeling like I had to hide it from my parents like when they bought it for me they didn't know it had the stuff in it did they I bet I mean I bet they did right I don't know if they did I don't know if they ever have known that about forever Oh come on! <laughs> I no, mean, but I, like my my mom, my parents both came of age too late to have read Judy Bloom books themselves, yeah. right? But I mean, it's very it's a very famous book, and, and your your mom is not a not a yokel, <laughs> <laughs> but she is a local. She ah, she is a yeah. Ah, ah. Um, <sighs> You know, and then at a certain point, I remember <clears throat> my mom somehow told me about this author named Judith Michael, who it turns out is a husband-wife writing team or something. Of course. Uh, their names are Judith and Michael. <laughs> Thanks for explaining. 
man. <laughs> they basically wrote like dumb romance novels, like called Deception and stuff like that. And I remember my mom like had one or something, and she loaned it to me, and I really liked it. And then I went on this like jag of reading those. Oh, I I went on a Sydney Sheldon jag at one point. Wow. Um, when I like in my late teens, maybe. Because uh, yeah, there was it was just like there was one around the house, and I picked it up. Like, wow, this is a very exciting book. And like, I don't, I, I've never read any Sydney Sheldon. I mean, I've I could tell even then, like you know, this is really dumb but very entertaining. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I I have a very high tolerance for for dumb and very entertaining. Do you know what I loved what? that I think falls in that category? Although maybe not dumb, probably really not dumb. I haven't read these books in like twenty years, but. The Tales of the City books by Armistead oh, Maupin. Yeah, I've seen a couple of episodes of this of the show, but yeah, I haven't from read back the book. in the eighties. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I inhaled those books. Um, I remember. I have very vivid memories of where I was when I was reading certain books. I remember reading one of them um, uh, during like a Christmas vacation when I was a junior in high school. But anyway, they they were so easy. Um, I think they covered kind of some important topics that probably a lot of people hadn't read about at the time. I mean, there you know, there was a prominent gay character. But anyway, yeah, I loved those books. But but in a way, I mean, if the if it uh if the show is is believable as an analogy like without without being didactic about it. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and I and what I does I, didactic mean? Like like I can never <laughs> didactic means uh, very obviously trying to teach a lesson. All right, so like autodidact is someone who is self-taught. Yeah. So yeah, that so autodidact doesn't really have a negative connotation, but didactic I think does. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, the Tales of the City series I don't think had a didactic vibe at no. all. It was just like these are some real. These are the people in your neighborhood. Real seeming people in your neighborhood. The, the people that you meet when you're walking down the street. Carry they're, on. They're the people you, that you meet each day. No, you missed a, you, you had a rhyme going there. The people that you meet when you're walking down but, the street. But that's how the, the song goes. The people that you meet when you're eating red meat. <laughs> the people that you eat when you need to wash your feet. Like <laughs> but, but this was a song. I, it was? Yes. Um, from Mr. Rogers. Oh. Pre- pre- precursor to Daniel Tiger, I believe. Yes. Right? <laughs> um, these are the people in your neighborhood. In your neighborhood, in your neighborhood, these are the people, or is it who are the people? Anyway, it's a song about people song. in your neighborhood. <laughs> okay, cool. So, like have mis- we finished this like episode Like Mr. McFeely. Yet? He's um, just the postman. He doesn't necessarily live in your neighborhood. But he has a terrifying name, as has been <laughs> noted many times. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. It's, it's the the uh, person who delivers mail may or may not live in your neighborhood. That's a great point. <laughs> okay, I want to mention just yeah. one one more book. Uh, one of my most favorite books of the last few years. I know you've read it too. Yes. Um, uh, this song will save yes, your life. Yes, by Leela or Layla Sales. Yes. Uh, and it is about a girl who uh, kind of sneaks out one night and and discovers. Uh, a, like culture of hanging out at this club and uh, and DJing, and she learns to be a DJ. And I had never really thought about what a DJ does, uh, and everything I know about what a DJ does comes from this book, basically. But it combines two of my favorite things that can be in a book, which are um, like a young person discovering, oh, I suddenly realize like what my mission in life is, mm-hmm. and like whether it turns out to be or not. Like you know, I remember that feeling of when you're a kid, like, oh, this is going to be my thing, and mm-hmm. it like you know, it is the most important Wait, thing what in was the your world. Thing? Um, 
I don't know. <laughs> okay. That's cool. Um, I mean, it was a whole bunch of things. That's that's sort of the point that like um you know, you can you can zero in on that moment and like uh it's it's sort of like you know when you fall in love for the first time and you're like this is it. Um like this is the only time I will ever love. Um and uh, and like if anyone tells you otherwise you're like fuck you. Uh-huh. Like you don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. And then you can zoom out and be like, "Okay, well, I fell in love with this person and then later I fell in love with this person." And then that, that's totally fine. Um, I think it's the same thing. Like, you know, I thought I was going to be uh, like a, a great reporter and I thought I was going to be a rock star. Yeah. And uh, like, I think there were times when like, I thought I was going to do something that I never even tried to do. Um, like, uh, I, I think, I think I was going to like draw at some point and I certainly still don't know how to draw. But uh, so that's, that's one thing. Um, and then the other thing is like uh, a, a book that introduces you to a subculture Yes, uh, in okay. a way that is very subtle. Yes, um, just like you know, these these are the people that she that she fell in with, and uh, you know, and of course, in my book, I tried to do can combine both of those things, and basically stole a lot of stuff from this song will save your life when I wrote my book. The other thing that I think I I really liked about this song will save your life is it's a really the the main character is a really believable and fully realized like young female character. Yeah. And even though there is a love interest in the book, you know, that part is not a happy ending. And, and that is that doesn't define her. Yeah. And I think that's really, really awesome. Yeah, I love that. I, I realized partly through the process of writing my book. Have I mentioned my book enough times? Yes, yes. Uh, that uh, I... I really enjoy romance as like a thing to experience, but not so much as a thing to read about. Yeah, I was, uh, well, I was urging you to like shove a whole bunch of romance into your book because I think I just wanted to read some sex scenes. Uh huh. But I think you were right to take them out. Yeah, I mean, I if you want, I'll just write some sex scenes and send them to you. That wouldn't be weird at all. No, not weird at all. <laughs> and I'll uh, post them uh. On, uh, on our uh, website. Perfect. Uh, SpilledMilkPodcast.com slash members only. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you so much for being subscribers to the show. Yeah, I think over the course of that half hour, we maybe recommended three books that we actually liked and no. talked about. No, there were, there were more than that. I think that. we recommended like four. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, we love having you as subscribers. Uh, thank you for sticking with us, uh, even though... Uh, I don't know. I feel like we, we started out thinking we were going to be a serious food show. This is an example of one of those things like where we thought we knew what our thing was, and then we kept reinventing our thing. That's true. That's um, true. And, Gosh, what uh, a beautiful evolution it is. It really Matthew. is. Is evolution just a just a fancy way to pronounce evolution? I think so. Okay, I think so. <laughs> I, I, I think that's the end of this show. <laughs> and Molly is drunk, uh, <laughs> so uh, I don't know. We don't need to tell you where to find us. Yeah, you thanks, already know. Thanks for finding us and for following us. And uh, we'll we'll do another one of these uh, in a few months. Love you guys. Love you. <laughs> <laughs>